Hello again, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, welcome back to the AJ Roberts Show. Today, we are extremely lucky to be joined by none other than Dr. Ryan Cole, all the way from the United States. Ryan, how are we? Oh, doing well, uh, all things considered. A little tired from the travels, but happy to see you again, AJ. Cheers, brother. Um, guys and girls, Dr. Ryan Cole was at the recent conference uh, in Bath in the UK, the Better Way Conference. Um, it was uh, quite enlightening. I managed to get there on the last day, spoke to loads of fantastic people, including Ryan. Uh, we had a good chat. Um, it soon made me realise just uh, how busy and committed doctors like Ryan are um, from what I witnessed over the period of a few days uh, when the conference was on. But not only that, but having Kat Lindy over in the UK for some time and her coming to our workshop as well, um, I saw with my own eyes just how full on you guys are. So when you're not doing talks or conferences or podcasts and stuff like that, you're literally there on permanent send to like all your patients as physicians and doing prescriptions and then yourself being a father of six, cats a father, a mother of, um, of five, you know, constantly being a parent at the same time whilst traveling. <clears throat> and obviously you've just landed back in the UK, literally straight off the plane, straight to your daughter's graduation. So I wanted to start the episode by saying a massive thanks because people don't see that level of commitment and that work that goes on outside of what you do every day. Thank you, AJ. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a sacrifice, but you know we're all in this together for humanity and the health and wellness of everyone. And it's been it's been a journey, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, I've been quite fortunate to follow um, all you guys' work very closely. Um, but for the benefit of the viewers and the listeners, is it all right to give a bit of background about yourself and you know your your, spe your specialities and where you operate? Certainly. So I'm Dr. Ryan Cole. I'm a board certified anatomic and clinical pathologist. I trained at the Mayo Clinic and then I did a surgical pathology fellowship. I was the chief fellow at the Mayo Clinic. Um, then I went on from there to a subspecialty in dermatopathology, that's skin pathology. With the world expert, I was also the chief fellow there. And uh, my early years of medical school, I did PhD work in immunology. I run an a large independent medical laboratory here in the Western United States. I live in the state of Idaho and I serve clients all around the United States with uh, consultation expertise. So that's kind of a, a snippet of, of my training and I've been in practice uh, 20 plus years. I've seen about 500,000 patients in my career wow. diagnostically. So got a little bit of traction behind. <clears throat> yeah, so, so quite experienced and so not just the first day course. Um... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And one of the things I've really seen you talk about a lot over the last um, year, especially uh, through where, you, you know, the centres that you operate out of is um, the significant rise in aggressive cancers that you're seeing. Now, um, some, it's cancer is something that I've kind of looked into for quite some time, um, not extensively to the level you guys do obviously and work with, but just to get a bigger, better understanding of it and obviously seeing the amount of people getting misdiagnosed or undiagnosed obviously because of lockdowns and stuff like that has been really hard to to see you know not only within my own family and friendship circles but everyone else um when you say like a big increase in aggressive cancers what what, what does that actually mean because obviously some people just see cancer as cancer don't really know much about it 
Yeah, and, and that's the thing is cancer isn't just cancer. You know, there's so many organ systems in the body. So there's mm. skin cancers, there's lung cancers, liver cancers, brain cancers, et cetera. And there's a lot of variations on cancer. The, the thing that, you know, really struck me right after the rollout of the shots was I, I noticed there, there were a few just common viral conditions that started to flare after the shots. And when I saw that happen, I thought, uh-oh, we have immune suppression because normally our immune memory from, you know, like chicken pox and a little bump kids get called molluscum contagiosum. Usually you'll get memory to that and then be able to keep that at bay most of your lifetime. And so I saw that immune suppression happening early and not too long thereafter, a month or two, I started seeing uh, cancers of the uterus. So usually I'll, I'll see maybe one or two of those per month. And I started to see two or three per week. And I thought, whoa, this is highly unusual. And, and a pathologist, we're the, we're the quality control of medicine. So what we do all day long is patterns, 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 not only patterns under the microscope, but patterns of disease prevalence within uh, any given community. So I knew the patterns over many, many years of doing this. And I thought, this is highly unusual that all of a sudden I'm seeing an uptick in women's health cancers. And then I also started seeing an uptick in cervical atypia, usually driven by the human papillomavirus. Again, the immune system tries to keep that in check, and that was starting to increase as well. And then melanomas of the skin. And, and it's not that just I was seeing cancers, I was seeing them that were more aggressive in appearance under the microscope, as well as as the age groups would go down for the shot, the cancers in each age group going down, the number of cancers in the younger groups would go up. And so it really struck me and people say, well, gosh, that's just anecdotal. And I can say, okay, you know, 40,000 biopsies a year. Sure, that's anecdotal, but it's still a shift in pattern. So I talked to some of my colleagues, hey, are you guys seeing odd things? And they said, well, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. So at first it was, it was a many fold increase and it's kind of normalized now that we're a year into this. Now it's maybe a two to three times increase over average in certain categories, which is still, you know, that's 200, 300%. That's a big increase. And mm. if you look at our military database, so when Dr. Malone, Dr. McCullough and I were testifying in US Senate with Senator Johnson, a whistleblower from the military came forward with the Department of Defense uh, Medical Epidemiology, uh, Epidemiology Database, which showed a marked increase in multiple cancers as well. And then interestingly, our Department of Defense froze the database and shifted all the data one week later, which was uh, pretty sneaky. Mm. And once we change our politics here, I think there will be big hearings into that, but they hid the data. But <clears throat> the other thing that has happened, like when I was there in the UK, I, I spoke with many, UK physicians and nurses who confirmed that they're seeing what I've been stating, a large uptick in aggressive cancers in young, young patients, especially, and patients who have been cancer-free for two, three, four years, their scans are clear, they get that second or third shot, all of a sudden they have stage four aggressive disease. I was at, uh, on a tour in Florida in six different cities. Every city I went to, and one was the chair of oncology at this large hospital group, and he said, you know, I'm seeing exactly what you're talking about. I usually see one brain cancer in a young patient every decade or so. And I've seen five in the last month after the boosters rolled out. Next city, I'm talking to a family doc. He said, hey, are you seeing any kidney cancers? And I said, well, some. 
And he said, I've seen five in the last month after the boosters rolled out. I was talking to a doctor there at the Bath Conference from Ireland, um, family doc who's been practicing 30 plus years. He said, I have never seen this number of blood cancers, leukemias in my young patients in all of my 30 plus years. So everywhere I go, I'm getting the confirmatory observations of physicians who are seeing the waking up of these cancers. And it's easily explained by the fact that these shots are immunosuppressive. And the more shots one gets, the more the immune system becomes suppressed. And that's the biggest concern is for how long is the system suppressed? It doesn't have to be suppressed that long for something that's laying dormant in the body to wake up and become Mm. very aggressive is what we're finding. So that's kind of a long story long there. Um, I, I know it's obviously a lot of uh, patient confidentiality and stuff, but um, do you see a, a trend in the young patients you're seeing? Do they can sort of really talk about why they went down that route to, to get the shots? Is there a trend? Is it usually young people thinking they're doing the right thing or is it travel? Or, um... A little bit of both. I think that's the, that's the frustration that that young age group is essentially at zero risk from COVID if they don't have any comorbidities. A lot of them uh, were college mandates. So universities were mandating uh, to your point, others just didn't want the hassle of not being able to travel. And so they just acquiesced to the demands. And unfortunately to the severe detriment of many of these young healthy individuals that made this choice for no different reasons. And now many of them won't make it into their late 20s or early 30s due to the type of disease they are having. And so now the cure is worse than COVID was itself. You know, some mm. of these patients are going to pass from high, high-grade cancers. Yeah, it's, it's, it's terrible just to even think about. And, um, you know, we, we talk about there's a lot of people like waking up to like what the problems are and uh, how detrimental these, these shots are now. And, you know, many, many people are actively regretting it, but obviously you know, what, what's done is done. It's about how we move forward. Um, right. And it, but, but the detrimental thing is, is it's, it's for a lot of people, that sort of period of waking up to what's going on usually is at the expense of someone in their family getting a serious disease or, uh, or worse, passing away. Um, one of the other big problems that we're seeing is a, a huge increase in autoimmune diseases. And, I, you know, I'm seeing it within my own sort of friends and family circles, um, a lot more recently over the last sort of month or two. Um, and it, you know, it's very, very alarming. And it's, it's starting off with small things like skin disorders and stuff like that. Maybe uh, psoriasis, you know, blistering, um, monkeypox. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, we, you know, we're seeing it at quite a, a rapid rate, aren't we? And I mean, I can only imagine what it's been like for you guys. Yeah, and and so I've seen that obviously through the microscope, um, a lot of these immune deposition diseases, yes, an increase in certain skin rashes, psoriasis, certainly other autoimmune skin rashes, certain skin rashes that are driven by herpes family viruses. Um, You know, same thing here, um, as as outspoken as I have been about the the dangers of this technology and and pushing it forth on you know, a large part of the population. Some of my family members, um, more my in-laws, um, ended up getting the shots and my father's Parkinson's disease, father-in-law, not my father, father-in-law's Parkinson's disease rapidly progressed. So we know there's a lot of neurologic conditions 
that have been flared by these shots. So really the question, and to your point, you know, we're not here to judge anybody. People thought they were doing the best they could with what mm, they knew. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but we are now trying to figure out, well, how do we keep at bay the progression of some of these um, conditions now? How do we optimize health? How do we, you know, number one, just don't get another shot. You know, that's, that's important because it's the wrong shot for the wrong virus. The Wuhan virus went extinct over a year and a half ago. And the shots actually make your chances of getting Omicron even higher. So it's the wrong shot for the wrong virus. So number one, don't get any more of this spike protein producing shot. But number two, you know, optimizing health. And you know, what is your vitamin D level? You and I both live in Northern parts of the world, critically important for immune function to have a normal vitamin D level that helps minimize some autoimmune effects. Mm -hmm. And big, big studies have come out recently, even showing that look in autoimmune disease, one of the the best things you can do is to get your vitamin D level normal. Um, obviously changing diet, um, certain foods can be very inflammatory to the body. You already have <clears throat> a process with a spike protein causing inflammation. Don't add inflammation on top of inflammation, cutting back on the sugars, the high fructose corn syrup, the excess uh, carbohydrate diets, um, anything that inflames the body. And another critical one is sleep. Uh, most of us you know, these two years of stress and anxiety, the number two risk factor um, second to obesity for bad outcomes in COVID was fear, stress, and anxiety disorders, believe it or not, because of what that does to the immune system. So, you know, there are certain supplements one can take. Obviously there's some medicines which shall not be named that do help block any persistent spike protein from the shots, things like that, that can at least um, minimize some of the effects that some people are feeling. So I, I at least want to put out there that, you know, you don't want to lose all hope. And unfortunately, some people are, are pretty bad off right now. And we're trying to figure out the best way to treat them. But people who are, are moder moderately injured or mildly injured, I think some of those can be reversed. So I want to stay cautiously optimistic in that department for those individuals. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it must be quite... Um... Well, not just a frustration, but between you and all, obviously, all your colleagues and and peers across the uh, the medical industry that are seeing this with their own eyes. Um, do you see things getting better? You know, because I mean, it, obviously, the, the amount of people who've got the shots, not just in the states, but you know, worldwide, obviously, it's starting to affect people at a more rapid rate. Do you, is there a fear of like, it, you know, when will this end, or is it are you quite optimistic that we've got enough knowledge and there's enough people around the world knowing what's going on collectively working together and obviously raising the awareness like you guys are that we can kind of like curb um, and, you know, curb the, the number of injuries and help as many people as possible. I'm optimistic in the sense that to your point, people are waking up. So I think a lot of people are not going to get that additional shot. So mm. I think we're going to be able to halt some of the damage that there. Uh, Supreme court in India just blocked mandates, Italy blocked mandates, uh, to have one of the big news sources, Good Morning America, here in the States say, hey, it's looking like the boosters are a bad idea for immune health. It's causing too much immune suppression. The mainstream media is starting to wake up. Even, even Bill Gates, believe it or not, at Davos, at their big meeting last week, said, hey, I think you know, we're at the point where mandates don't make sense and, and immune passports don't make, or, or shot mandate, uh, mandates and passports don't make sense. Mm. I think we're seeing a shift in the public zeitgeist to where people are at least not gonna get another shot, which is good. 
I think the collective minds of very smart doctors around the world are, are finding ways to try to minimize and or hopefully reverse some of the, the injury and damage. So I think there's hope for a lot of people. The other hope too is a lot of the batches of the shots were very weak. So we knew some batches were stronger and caused more harm and others were probably a whiff of almost nothing. So the good news is some people, you know, they got two shots, ended up getting COVID and didn't end up with much harm, probably because they didn't get really high, high of a dose of the shot anyway. So that's another optimistic point is just to recognize um, that not everybody was at the same risk from getting them, thankfully. Mm -hmm. So to your point, I think, yeah, I mean, Dr. Lindley, uh, the doctors at Global COVID Summit, we're all working on it together. Um, <clears throat> there's a, a blockchain um, forum on globalcovidsummit.org that we just started to where anybody vaccine injured can post there. And because it's blockchain format, they can tell their story and it will never be removed from the internet. It's protected from all of these large you know, social media companies that try to censor it. And this way, we have a bigger voice and a bigger group of people that can get together and have the conversation. Hey, what's working for you? What's working for you? What's your story? And so that's, that's something optimistic too, is bringing these communities together without them ever feeling like they're going to get canceled for telling the truth of what mm. happened to them. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that's been, I've noticed massively over here, people have been shying away because they not only want to, talk about you know they went down that path but and you know they don't want to talk about their injury because they think that oh it's a burden or they just get cancelled or their their own physician tells them you know that there's nothing wrong with them you know here's some paracetamol um yeah it's that that has been you know quite alarming uh, what was the uh what was the name of the website you mentioned there uh, so the this is the yeah it's a group of seventeen thousand physicians and medical scientists from around the world um dr robert malone's our president um, it's globalcovidsummit.org. And you actually have to type it in because otherwise Google will, you know, land you somewhere else. So globalcovidsummit.org. And when you log on, there's a section called forum. And if you go to the forum, there's a Vax injured forum. So don't be afraid to tell your story. And if your GP is telling you, oh gosh, no, it's all in your head. No, it's not. We believe you. From a pathology lab point of view, I see the mechanisms that cause the injury. Uh, we see the lab shifts in, in values and data that indicate things are going on inflammatory wise. Look, we believe you share your story with each other, share what works with each other. There will be physicians on that group in the forum answering questions as well. Me, Dr. McCullough, Dr. Malone, Dr. Urso, Dr. Lindley. You know, each of us tries to log on to that group each day and at least answer some of the main questions that are out there. Mm. So it's not like you're alone and just chatting with, you know, another you know, bunch of colleagues or, uh, you know, vaccine people in in your group. But you also get to interact with uh, many physicians from around the world that are trying mm. to find the answers for you as well. Yeah, amazing. Um, I'm not sure what it's like in the United States um, in terms of sort of vaccines with uh, compensation um is it there's no program at all because they, they have put a program mm. in here in place but like from no one's been awarded anything um we do have a member of parliament who i guess you could call as the a face of it who speaks up in parliament every now and then um the only, the only problem is you quickly see how parliament's near empty every time he talks um <laughs> you know you wouldn't expect anything uh anything less but 
Um, in America, is there plans for something like that? Or is there talks of something to compensate the people that have been injured? No, that, that's the biggest challenge is all of these large companies, when they um, started this whole pandemic uh, disaster, they, they were indemnified. They have no liability whatsoever. That may change in the sense that we know that Pfizer obtained their emergency authorization through fraud. Um, yeah. And because it was fraudulent, they may lose their liability protections. And we're seeing that clearly in the in the data dump that was forced by the judge. You know, they tried to hide that data for 75 years. Now that the data is coming out, we can see that they hid the data. And it's not just Pfizer. I mean, Pfizer gets the, the rap for, you know, their fraudulent behavior. But we know Moderna um, was pretty sneaky on their trials as well. And the FDA, even through Moderna's <clears throat> authorization and rollout, only, only inspected 1% of Moderna's uh, trial sites. So um, right now, there's no compensation here in the U.S. Um, watching other countries that are finally starting to pay out the first individuals and accepting the claims. Um, Thailand, it was interesting. They, they're paying out millions to their backs injured. <clears throat> I saw one out of Canada today. Um, so it's starting to happen, but I'm, I'm afraid here in the United States, it's simply going to be a long road for anyone to get compensated for their injury. In terms of um, justice for a lot of the criminality that's gone on, especially you know within government, within the pharmaceutical industry, many other industries, obviously you know, we could be here all day, like ironing out Dr. David Martin style, um, who's done what, where, and you know follow the money type thing. It's a uh, it's a never ending road, isn't it, to to criminality uh, and corruption. <laughs> Uh, to the point where it blows your mind so you, you don't want to look at it you know and I think that's like half the point um it, it generally blows my mind but do you, do you think in the near future we'll see a lot of um a lot of justice being served across America I can, I, I can only hope so I, I think the sentiment here politically is we should see a shift in in power structure in our midterm elections I think when that happens there will be a fair amount of investigation into what happened, what money changed hands, who was bought off. Um, our, our regulatory agencies are absolutely captured. You know, they just authorized the, the Pfizer shots for the younger age group, 5 to 11, for a boost with no data, with no trials. And basically, they booted all their experts out and said, no, we're just gonna authorize this by press release. So we've seen so much corruption at so many levels and literally crimes against humanity, the harms that they're causing to children. I, I can only hope there will be accountability. I know, you know people like David Martin, some of the attorneys he's working with, I actually just saw him this weekend down in Texas, had a nice chat with him. Um, we're not gonna quit because there does need to be accountability and, and these large pharmaceutical companies have paid the largest criminal fines in history. It, it's funny that we put into their hands the opportunity for them to roll out shots onto the world, knowing that these were convicted felons mm. in the United States. These companies paid billions upon billions of dollars of fines, J&J, &J, Pfizer, and then Moderna. I mean, it, it's a joke. They, they've never brought a product safely to market ever. And all of a sudden the government gives them a billion bucks and says, here, make something, even though nothing you've ever made has worked before. Mm. You know, it, it's just insane that, that the, I guess the 
corporate corruption between politicians and lobby groups. And who knows what kind of money is exchanged hands behind the scenes? I don't, but mm -hmm. I can only sus suspect based on the behaviors. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is, is prevalent in every country that's, you know, where this is all rolled out. Is, you know, as, as we know, it's one big orchestrated planned attack on, on humanity uh, in a, an extremely nasty way because, you know, we're, we're seeing the full brunt of it, you know, whether you're in the medical industry or even in alternative media, you know, people like myself who interview doctors like yourselves like from all over the world um, and speak to on a daily basis behind, you know, off camera, those conversations and, and all the data you see and stuff like that, you can't not see it. Um, and you mentioned there about the young children, you know, as soon as this was rolled out on kids, I was, uh, I think for me, my own investigative journey went even more to the next level because I think deep down, we all know this is all about the kids and protecting the kids. And, you know, there's no, like you said, there's no child data, like nothing, there's no risk of the disease to them. You know, that the actual supposed cure far outweighs the risk of catching the disease as we know, because we're seeing them, um, seeing it on a, on a tragic scale. Um, and I know it's a touchy subject, but is uh, like what you're seeing within your laboratories and, and departments in children increased over the last few months since they rolled the uh, these shots out? Yeah, and that's one of my big, that's my biggest concern as well. You know, adults can make their own decisions and, and pretend like they know what's going on. But when you force something upon children, this is this is where it's crossed the line. And in some of the physician groups, um, left and right, we're seeing the heart damage in young boys. We're seeing, um, we're seeing children drop dead. They're going to bed and not waking up. They get that second shot that they don't need, that third shot that they don't need, and they never wake up. Mm. And it, it's at an alarming rate because kids are being harmed by this shot at rates far higher than if they ever got, I call it cold vid now instead of COVID because Omicron's a cold, especially in the kids. Mm. And here just a month ago in the States, our CDC, as bad as they've been with data, at least a month ago, 75% of the kids here had already had COVID. You don't give a shot to someone who's recovered from a disease because you actually hyper rev their immune response and cause more disease or cause this inflammation of the heart or of the liver or of the brain or sudden death. So yes, we're seeing it. And I was on a call last night with several pediatricians around the country who are, are putting out a very, very, very strong statement uh, internationally because <clears throat> too many of the pediatric lobbies have been bought. And so the pediatricians here Normally, if they give a, one of the childhood inoculations for other childhood diseases, they'll get 15 or 20 bucks for giving that shot. Their incentive is 40 bucks for each shot they give to a kid, plus what additional money they may get from the insurance. So, you know, they're financially driven to be sticking these kids with this jab they don't need. Most of these kids have had COVID and they're harming them. So this strong group of pediatricians is finally standing up and saying, Hey, moms, mama bears of the world, go to your doctor and ask him or her this, this, and this, because Johnny and Janie don't need this shot. And we're showing those long-term harms, those potential autoimmune conditions, um, the sad cases of sudden death, the inflammation of the heart, which you'll hear the media and the medical establishment say, oh, it's just mild myocarditis. There's no such thing as mild yeah. myocarditis. It scars the heart. There was a autopsy study in two uh, young men, 17, 18 years old. And the 17 year old already had scar in his heart after his first shot, he died after his second. 
So what that tells us, and there was another um, MRI study that came out a couple months ago that showed long-term follow-up on these kids with myocarditis, and they're, they're showing the scar that's forming. So, I mean, to risk a, the health of a generation, and, and not just the heart stuff, bigger concern for me is the fertility of this next generation. Are we literally sterilizing our young women? We know the lipid nanoparticle goes to the ovary. We know the ovary has a lot of ACE2 receptors. We know the spike protein is being made and produced by the body for a long time. The shot doesn't stay in the arm. Those particles go everywhere. And we know it has propensity for the ovary. Uh, we know how many women in left and right you heard about abnormal bleeding um, after their shots. So we know it's honing to the ovaries in older women as well. No mm. doubt it's doing the, the same thing to young women. What are we doing to the fertility of a younger generation? Are we sterilizing a generation? We don't know yet because we don't have that crystal ball. We can't advance that clock. So why would we give a shot to an age group that's at no risk when we don't know these long-term safety data outcomes. Mm. Yeah, it, it is very alarming. And, um, you know, I, I speak to people a lot about this and their concerns for the future and things like that, because, um, you know, even within my own family, you know, there's been people that have had problems with the period and everything post-shot post that has been all over the place uh, to the point of discomfort. I just don't know whether it's like coming or going, like, checking oh, what time of the month is it it just, it just totally messes up the whole system and i, I know it so does. many people have had that problem um yeah what's your knowledge on um the shedding situation because i know i've, I've spoken personally spoken to like elderly ladies that have suddenly um not who, have, who haven't had the shots but like all family members have and they've just suddenly had like chronic bleeds like downstairs many years right. after meni menopause right you know, and I have two theories on this. So number one, does shedding occur? It does. We know from some early studies in the subways in Wuhan, China, in infected patients, you could detect the spike protein in the sweat hmm. and in bodily secretion. So we know the spike uh, sheds to a degree. We know there are self-spreading vaccines that have been used um, in rabbit populations where you can get different virus, but you can give a, a protein uh, shot to an animal, then they can shed it the other animals and sterilize them. So we know that proteins from certain shots can replicate and be shed. We know from the Journal of Immunology that the spike is circulating in exosomes, which are little fat packets, little teeny microscopic mm. ones. So there's enough of that being produced, you could be breathing some out. Now, the question becomes, is there enough present to trigger a response in other individuals? I have another theory in women, more, more hypothetical, and that's when you get that much inflammation in the ovaries from the lipid nanoparticle and the spike protein binding there, um, if you think about women in college dorms or barracks, they'll tend to start to cycle together. A dominant woman in the group will emit a pheromone, uh, you know, a chemical hormone that, that is a, you know, a cloud of, of pheromone that can induce uh, cycle changes in other women. I think uh, a more rational explanation would be some women that are getting the shot. We know in, in the laboratory, we're seeing shifts in hormone panels. So some of these women are becoming much more estrogen dominant and they could be making a pheromone that would induce those same cyclical changes, even in a, a postmenopausal woman. So I think that can be one mechanism and two, the spike itself can be shed to a small degree. 
but that's picogram quantities. It's a really teeny, teeny, tiny amount in terms of trying to detect it. Mm. But, but, but it does happen. There are enough people. And again, it's this whole Me Too movement from years ago. You know, believe everybody. But now all of a sudden people tell you their story and they're like, oh, no, nonsense. Don't believe them. No. When a patient says, look, I'm around a whole classroom of people that had the shot and I didn't. And all of a sudden I'm getting blistering skin rashes being around them all day long. I think in those cases, there's enough spike protein present in the environment that it probably is triggering some mm. of those um, responses. And again, there is some, some clinical evidence in some papers that show it is detectable in secretion. So I don't doubt that it's happening. And I think some people are more sensitive than others to the effects thereof. And then many people have had COVID. So now you already have a T cell response and antibody response. So if you do get shed on by some of those proteins in the environment, your body can at least neutralize it now. Mm. So I, I and, and that's where I think the women that are, are getting that, you know, second and third shot, I think they're more inducing that pheromonal change in women that are around them. Mm. Yeah. Uh, to me, that makes sense. Um, with um, the actual shots themselves, obviously there's, a large percentage of people that didn't really want to get them. They just uh, did for travel, work, mandates. Um, you know, you thought they wouldn't be able to earn a living, you know, feed their kids and stuff, which has been, which has been the case in many countries, especially in you know, Canada, New Zealand, Australia, you know, it's been terrible in some States in the, you know, in, in America. Um, but there's obviously uh, things that people can do to suppress the, the, re the replication of spike protein and stuff like that. Um, I've often shared Dr. Uh, Dr. Katz protocols, um, you know, over the last sort of year or so. Um, is it something that you, you agree with in terms of uh, vitamins and minerals um, on a daily basis? Uh, and if so, like what, what is it you would recommend? Okay, a very important one for T cell function. Most people are, are deficient is selenium. So selenium, 100 to 200 micrograms per day, that will uh, reactivate some of your suppressed T cells. Um, I'm, I'm big into Goldilocks effect in life, just enough, but not too much, because some people think, oh gosh, that's good for me, I'll take a bunch of it. No, you don't want to do that, because you can get toxic on certain things, like zinc. You know, zinc, everybody needs zinc for T cell function. But I say no more than 20 milligrams a day when you're healthy and well. And if you're going to take 20 milligrams of zinc, then make sure you're taking one milligram of copper. And those are, again, good trace minerals to optimize certain T cell function. Vitamin D, I think, is the most important. It's not a vitamin. It's a pro-hormone. Um, the best way you can get it is go out in, in the sunshine, especially this time of year between the hours of 11 a.m. and about 3 p.m. with as much skin exposed as possible uh, without sunscreen on until you turn lightly pink and then go ahead and cover up or put some sunscreen yeah. on. But Vitamin D is the master conductor of the immune system, critically important. And for those in the northwest of England, that's once a month you can get out and uh, get some sunshine. Um, so yeah. make the most of it. Other than that, just keep downing loads of bottles of vitamin D. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, people will say that. Like, yeah, it was never sunny. But um, even even though it, being out in natural ambient sunlight is, you know, like a massive help, isn't it? And uh, yeah, and you know what else is important? Not just the vitamin D from the sunshine, but if you get outside in some of the early morning hours or the late evening hours, you get near infrared light from the sun. And it can penetrate through your skin and through your muscles, even into your bones. And what that does, it activates intracellular melatonin, not melatonin that makes you sleep in your circulation, but intracellular, which is the most powerful antioxidant in your body. So that can help restore some of your mitochondrial function. 
which <clears throat> I think is critically important. You know, something else, it's not, it's not easy access for a lot of people, but um, hyperbaric oxygen therapy I've seen be very, very, very helpful in some of the vaccine injured individuals. And the reason that is, is because how it helps restore your mitochondria. Um, and mitochondrial activity or decrease of activity is one of the things we're seeing post-shot in some of the fatigue uh, syndromes that we're seeing in individuals. They basically have mitochondrial damage. Mitochondria is the powerhouse of your cells. You have mm. lots of mitochondria in your cells. That's what gives your body energy. You know, some things that stimulate uh, mitochondria, certainly, um, you know, certainly hyperbaric oxygen, like I was mentioning, but sunshine near infrared light will do that. Um, some coenzyme Q10, uh, making sure you're getting um, some of your omega-3 oils, like a, a good healthy ratio of fish oil. Um, exercise, uh, obviously if you're injured, it's hard to exercise, but gently moving your body is so critical for cellular regeneration. And then fascinatingly too, you know, we have the ability to kill off some of these kind of weakened senescent cells in our circulation. There's a couple of ways to do that. Number one, intermittent fasting. So to limit your eating window to about eight hours a day and fast about 16 hours a day, <clears throat> that will help the cells that are senescent or the cells that are weakened to die off and then you grow stronger new ones. So that's another opportunity to optimize your immune function. Mm -hmm. Another way to do that too is through what we call heat shock protein. So if you have the opportunity to do either hot, hot baths or sauna is really good. And then doing either a cold shower or a cold plunge thereafter, again, that will kill off the weakened immune cells and help you grow stronger new ones. So there's some basic, just general things. And there's plenty of scientific papers on these. I'm not just saying, oh, here's some voodoo, try this. There, mm -hmm. There's hardcore science studying these things to optimize and, and regrow some of the strength of those immune responses that have been weakened, you know, potentially by the, the shots in many of these individuals. Um, so those are some of the basic things. Those are some of the things I try to do on a daily basis. Mm. Um, I didn't get the shots. Um, you know, I had plenty of other military vaccines back in the day and childhood vaccines that, um, you know, I had had those in my, my career, but, you know, as far as the shot, no, I had COVID, got through it, uh, have my COVID recovered immunity and uh, we'll never get the shot. But not only will I not get this one, I think this is an important point as well. This lipid nanoparticle plus an mRNA sequence, because they rolled it out under this emergency, they think, hey, look, we can do this for the upcoming flu shots, RSV shots, HIV shots, TB shots, et cetera. This platform isn't proven. So far, what we can tell from this platform, it's the nuclear bomb. The lipid nanoparticle, you can't control where it goes. So just because the emergency authorized these around the world rolled them out on so many people, we really need to stand up against our regulatory agencies and say, look, this was a failed experiment. And you can't just willy-nilly be going forward and, and doing this on, on humanity again. Um, really, any, any vaccine takes 5, 10, 15 years to get to market for safety studies. And we already have enough safety information to know that these were the most dangerous medical product ever released on humanity and allowed to stay amongst humanity as long as they have. I think they should all be withdrawn from the market at this point. Mm. But anyway, going, going back to, you know, that was my, my tangent on, on the shot. No, I didn't get the shot. 
Um, but I still try to do those things to optimize immune health. Um, you know, mm. the older we get, we all have health challenges that come and yeah, yeah, you absolutely. might as well be this, as strong as you can be against mm. whatever's coming your way and, and optimizing immune health. Another, another fun one too, um, this one I like, um, uh, Shinrin-yoku, it's a Japanese practice called forest bathing. And literally walking in a forest and, and there have been studies where they'll look at your natural killer cell numbers and activity. Uh, and the, in parts of Japan, your doctor will actually write you a prescription to take a couple days off and go walk in the woods. It literally activates your, your T cell and your natural killer cell responses. So just being, being out in nature like that, there's literally a mycobacterium in the soil digging in the garden and the dirt is a great antidepressant. And it's because this one bacteria actually stimulates certain inflammatory pathways or, or downregulates inflammatory pathways and can actually be a mood elevator. There's so many things we, we kind of not only have, you know, an ADD society, but we have an, an NDD, a nature deficit disorder. We don't spend enough time in the outdoors where, you know, we're meant to be, we're, we're meant to be in nature. And because we get away from some of those cycles of life, in our industrial uh, fake lighting kind of world, we, we end up uh, kind of throwing off some of those body cycles and immune cycles that were given to us over, over many years to be strong, uh, durable, and, and resilient I, humans. I think one of the biggest issues is, um, and you, know, you don't need to be a doctor or anything to see it, is that like over generations, we've like been uh, shifted into like, where they want us, but almost in, in boxes. So you wake up in a bed in a box in a house, you know, obviously with a roof on, you then rush, people just rush, rush, rush. They get up, either go to school, go to work, they sit in or, you know, go by transport usually. Then they get to school or work and they're straight in a building. Um, and it's just, again, it's just rush, 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 stress, stress, stress. Um, you know, you chuck the individual's diet on top of that. And then it's, um, come home rush 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 back into a box again so people aren't get they literally go from box to box to box to box and people just aren't actively seeking natural sunlight and stuff like that which is one of the very key things which keeps us um keeps us ill you know lack of vitamin d and obviously when we had lockdowns and stuff like that you know it doesn't matter where you are in the world you're like cooped up in a box the only way, the only place, I don't know, this is what it was like in England. The only place you could go other than a supermarket to get food was kebab shops or McDonald's or stuff like that. Like they were allowed to be open, gyms and everywhere else were shut. And um, it's just a, it's just a peripheral for disease, isn't it? Where you're all cooped up in the same house drinking tap water, which we know isn't fully clean, um, eating rubbish food, sat there watching Netflix, Disney Channel, stressing about like whether you're going to be allowed out again and see your family. You know, so it was just a it, it was just a hotbed of illness that's being created within your own home without you realizing it. Yeah, the best thing they could have done, they should have said, "Everybody, go outside, get some sunshine." The virus doesn't live outside; sunlight kills it. Everybody, go to the gym, move your body; it decreases your risk of disease. The more weight you lose, the lower your risk you are. They did just the opposite of what we should have done. You're absolutely right. Mm. But I mean, it's all by design, isn't it? Because then you have people falling down with illnesses because it's actually induced by themselves and the stress the worry the poor diet the drinking tap water etc etc the lack of moving uh, and everyone's running around going oh, i've got this disease uh quick i need to show the test up my nose stick a, <laughs> stick a photo of it on facebook 
and, and it's just like it, it's just the downward spiral isn't it so it created the the problem as well didn't it knowingly that everyone's going to be, act like that and, and the good news is you see that i see that i i think a lot of other people have woken up to see that as yeah, well yeah, yeah. so yeah. the good news i you know this whole you know monkey pox and all the other scares you know fool me once shame on you fool me twice shame on me i think people are waking up and saying uh uh-uh, you're not going to mm. fool me with this one so i think it it helps that rebellious spirit in humanity to say no we're free thinking individuals we can see past this now yeah and I, you know you, you can't con- condone anybody for doing what they did it's just basically no. everyone's got to do what they feel is right at the time for them and their family and that's the conversation and that's been my sort of mantra from the start you know you've had this whole thing with every the whole you know earth it. and I, I know it's the same for yourself especially as a you know, highly de- decorated physician is that we're just trying to show you the information and the dangers, like and where the bear trap is. Like that is mm-hmm. it. Like we're not we're not forcing opinions on you, or you must do this, you must do it. You know, because we all know people that have just been shaking friends and families, just like, oh, why can't you see what I see? And right. you're not going to get through to people that way. And you know, we've all done it uh, through frustration. Um, sure. But the reality is, it's just like you've got to present the people with the information and put them in a position where they can accept that information, you know, from a place of love and empathy every single time. Um, That's the only way it's going to work. Otherwise, you just, it's just repelling arguments, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you can point out the bear trap, but if you're like chasing them with the bear trap, they're going to run away from it. So yeah, Mm -hmm. you're right. You know, it's that that gentle nudging of of kindness and love. And, And we do have to remember after all this kind of settles down and we're kind of, getting back to normal life in many places in the world, we need to be friends again. I mean, these are friends and family. And obviously a lot of this has caused that division, which is very unfortunate, but we need to find a way to heal that divide. Mm. And, and yeah, like you said, from the beginning, I was a voice of warning. You've been a voice of, of warning, but at the same time, you can lead a horse to water. You can't make them drink, but at mm. least you can say there's water. It's your option. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Um, moving forward over sort of the next three, six months, you, you touched on like the midterm elections and stuff, um, obviously, which is going to be a huge, huge pinnacle moment in the in the United States. And I think that we clearly you know that rolls out around the uh, other countries around the world, especially here in the in the UK. Um, what would you like to see happen in the near future in terms of not just to do with uh, justice for what's been going on with obviously the rollout of big farmer on a gigantic scale but um other areas around the country you know because inflation's gone through the roof it's mental you know home poverty and homelessness at all times high everything that's you think would go wrong in these countries is going wrong um but what would you like to see sort of like short term happening in the, in the near future uh, one i'd like to see the return of common sense you know, I, I like I like a, a clean environment like anybody else, but you can't shift a world economy from an oil-based carbon economy to solar panels and, and, and wind towers right away. And don't get me wrong, I have a solar panel out back on my farm here. I have my plug poured for a wind tower. Look, I, I like a clean environment, but when we shut down the world fuel supplies and cause supply chain shortages, that was a, lot, a lack of common sense. And do I, you know, I, I'm more of a libertarian thinker. I'm kind of, I'm kind of in the middle on a lot of thought because it's what, what's going to get things done and common sense generally gets things done. 
So I'd like to see a return of that. I'd like to see a return of dialogue. I'd like to see an end of censorship within media and media platforms. But I think we need to get back to dialogue. So I think with a, a shift in political parties, which I, I, I no doubt uh, think is coming here. And it was interesting being there in the UK, talking to docs from all around Europe and South Africa and other parts of the world. They're like, hey, look, you guys need to win. The world's kind of looking to you guys to restore you know, that, that free spirit that we're used to seeing in the States. We're not used to seeing you guys be so uh, draconian and uh, socialistic in what you do. And so I'm really counting on the American people to step up and bring back some common sense. And I'm not you know, I'm not saying, hey, this party good, that party bad. No, they're good, they're good people and bad people in both parties. But I'm hoping that those who are more patriotic, more freedom-loving, more logical, more commonsensical, more about the individual freedoms and rights of the individuals, not the corporations, are going to be the ones that step up and win. And, and you know, it, it behooves a lot of us wherever we can to get involved in politics if we can as well on the individual basis, mm. that Gandhi concept of being the change that you want to see in the world. So yeah. I, I got voted to be the um, physician on our central district health board, and that's over four counties and a million people. And I got asked about a year and change ago to run for that office and ended up winning and got raked through the media mud but at the same time i have a, a big voice so getting into those even just smaller you know city council positions or whatever you can do within your sphere of influence in the world i think that's important for those of us who stand for freedom who stand for individual rights to be able to put our money where our mouth is and get involved mm. no absolutely um and, and obviously with the midterm elections coming up, do you see uh, a change in um, presidency plus office with, um, and if so, who, who would you, who would you, who do you think would step in? Yeah, with, uh, yeah, Biden still has two more years beyond this. Yeah. If he even makes it that long. I mean, we obviously see his senility and dementia. It's very unfortunate, um, you know, within that, particular party, let's just say there's nobody I have confidence or faith in at the moment. Um, if the election were held tomorrow and, and we could run another candidate, I really like Ron DeSantis out of Florida mm. because he has stood up. Is he perfect? No. But is he a good guy that stood up for freedom and individual rights far better than any, any other governor in the United States? Yeah, he has. Mm. So he's, he's put his money where his mouth is. He's overturned a lot of the draconian things. And, and, you know, he was kind of bought in at first to some of it, but he woke up. So I admire people. I don't care which side you come from. If you're open-minded enough to say, huh, there is a problem here, and you start questioning, and you have the humility to change your mind, great. I think we should reward those people for doing so. And he's one of those individuals. Ron DeSantis is a very admirable guy mm -hmm. in terms of what he stood up for. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we've seen a lot of it in the UK, and uh, DeSantis has definitely been the standout character am amongst everybody. Um, you know, and I'd like to I'd like to see the official figures of the population of Florida, how, how it's risen over the last two years, because just see it, you know seeing so many people I'm just connected with on on social media, you know, over the last few years, you know, people of influence from state, uh, Canada especially have like you know they've got, out while, they've got out while they could. 
people follow where freedom goes. Mm. I, I think that just speaks to the human spirit. People just mm. want to be free mm. and, and to live within a society that respects those individual uh, rights. So kudos to him and what he's done in the state of Florida. You know, it hasn't been without opposition, but he stood up strong against that opposition, said we want to be a free people. And mm. to your point, a lot of people have moved there. Mm. Yeah, real estate. Between yeah, Florida. real estate's expensive there right now. <laughs> yeah, I've been down there a couple times in the last couple months, and it's yeah, but it's a it's a neat place to be if you can take the heat. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, mean, I think it's between Florida and Texas, isn't it? Everyone's just kind of like migrated to. Um, I've, I've even got friends here in the UK who are looking to move, move, try and move over to Texas as well and take businesses with them and stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, it's it's almost like a, a big pull, isn't it? People see what it's been like or what it is like there compared to what they've endured here, you know, within their own households or, or businesses or workplaces. Um, so yeah, you know, totally get it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Get why people want to do that. And, you know, having lived in Australia myself and, and Europe and the UK and travel around North America, Canada and stuff and seeing the differences in cultures in different countries. And, you know, I can see why so many different places are appealing to people. Um, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting moving forward, I think, over the next sort of six to 12 months, especially like you say with the midterms and what change may come out of that. Um, but for, well, for me and uh, obviously the viewers, I, I want to say thanks for taking your time out of your busy schedule. So guys and girls, uh, currently it's, almost, it's midnight in um, where we're recording this, uh, where Dr. Ryan Cole is in, in the United States. So it's early morning here in the UK. So hit the nail on the head what I was mentioning earlier Dr Ryan's had a, a whole day of of work you know meeting to sat in the other and he sat here at midnight as a father of six doing this interview so I want to say thank you on behalf of everyone who follows my show uh, and sees us afterwards you know thank you so much for your time and bringing all this valuable information to light. You bet AJ I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation and again you know, my, my goal and mission in life, a doctor means teacher in Latin. I'm grateful for the opportunity to teach. I'm grateful for the opportunity to share on, on programs such as yours. I appreciate what you do to try to get the, the word out so we can just help other people. So mm. it's a great opportunity to share. And yeah, it's midnight. It's been a long day, but it's a great opportunity to do something like this because I know you and I together are helping someone at this moment. And that's what matters most. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And that's all it's ever been. So it was just trying to show people where the, the, you know, the warnings, the risks, give people some solutions, you know, for problems they may have, point people in the right direction. You know, if they've got issues like you mentioned there before, um, globalcovidsummit.org, um, for those who, you know, have been vaccinated and want us to actually speak out about it in a safe environment, you know, which is like under blockchain, which is great because it's not going to be tampered with or censored. Um, so guys and girls please check that out if you, if you need to and I'll put that in the show notes as well um, but for yourself Ryan um, where's the best place if people want to reach out and check out any more of your work or your papers and stuff like that where people can learn sure. more about what you do so I can be reached at uh, R as in Ryan the letter R Cole C-O-L-E-M-D.com R Cole M-D.com I tend to post some of my interviews there I get a lot of questions and so I'll do brief summaries on the website there to just like you and I did here. So people can say, okay, I've got this question that, and I get, you know, common questions that recur 
And then as new things happen, I get questions on those. So I try to keep that up to date each week or two uh, when I'm not traveling and I'm finally home for a week or two. So it's an nice. opportunity to catch up. Yeah, so rcolemd.com is where you can find me. And there's an inquiry page if you have questions or have, you know, wonder where you can get studies, wonder where you can get certain papers, wonder how you can help to educate your doctor, um, help a friend, a colleague. So information there as well. Amazing. Thank you very much. Um, guys and girls, as always, if you've uh, enjoyed today's episode, please share it with at least one person in your friends and family circle. I'm sure what we went through today, especially to do with protocols and stuff like that, may help a lot of people. Um, so please share it far and wide. You know, there's millions out there that need help from people like Dr. Ryan Cole and yourselves. Um, so please help us um, share this to as many people as possible. Um, likewise, if you want to dive deeper into more uncensored information intel what's going on in the world and um, what's happened in the past on a big scale um, you can check out my insiders world it's a, a weekly webinar where we do a live interactive call with a special guest where we dive deep into the things that would just get censored on social media um, there's loads of info there for everybody plus i've got a resources section where you can get all the documentation documentation you need to take that foot out of the matrix uh, and just live a, like a much more free life so please check that out. It's on mrajroberts.com on the Insiders World VIP section. Uh, but today from me and from Ryan, look after yourselves and I'll see you very soon on the AJ Roberts Show. <laughs>